Hey everybody, so um, I am doing my first podcast. I want, I want to talk about a lot of things, so many things, and uh, I'm doing this by the seat of my pants. I am, I am, draws down, just going full strength up into your ears. So let's talk about um, just, I guess, whatever's on my mind at this moment. Uh, one of the first things that I can think of is definitely. The Red Sun Superman movie, DC Animated, just came out this week. Um, it's an Elseworlds title. Um, if you're not familiar with the Elseworlds, basically these are DC storylines uh, that take characters that we know and they put them in a different setting. And there's a lot of Elseworlds that are awesome. I mean, I'm a gigantic fan of Elseworlds. I have so many of them. Um, but, you know, you got like Green Lantern that ends up in the... Um, World War II, and it's Hal Jordan who's part of the Nazis, but you got John Stewart's part of the Resistance, uh, and then you got like Batman the Tyrant, where he grew up like super Christian, like like Crusader Christian, and just like completely imprisons like uh, uh, Aquaman, and then you have other stories too, like Arabian Nights, and it's Hal Jordan, and like the lamp is the ring, is like the weirdest thing, but it's cool, and uh, you got. Gotham by Gaslight Batman. You got um, Batman who's a swashbuckler on the Seven Seas. I mean you, you get so many cool stories out of all of this. It's it's such a great subject to touch on and I, I hope we get more out of this because the Elseworlds, I think those are fun stories. I mean they're not canon, canon I guess, or canonical is the word I was going to say before that. But they they are fun because we take things that we know and that we put them in a different setting. We say, okay, well, what would happen if this happened at this time? And it, it's phenomenal. It's great. There's there's so many good things that can come out of it. And I hope they keep pushing forward with this because Batman the Red Sun, you know, before this we had Gotham by Gaslight. Gotham by Gaslight was really good. Um, and then we had... Um, I, I don't. I, I, we had the Crisis on Two Earths, which even my wife loves that movie. Like I'm a huge comic geek. Like I'm that dude who, when I watch a movie, like in the theater, I'm like, no, that didn't happen, or nope, that's wrong. I'm that guy who points out all that stuff. I'm the annoying dude. My wife, on the other hand, she is somebody who just enjoys it for what it is. And then she looks to me, and like she, all of her comic knowledge is secondhand because of me. And that's not a bad thing, but you know, you have these things where you, you got the DC animated movies and thank God they exist because ever since this came out, it's been a success in my eyes, at least. I mean, I'm, I'm sure other people out there would agree with me and say that all these movies, I mean, there's, there's a couple that were bad. Batman, uh, no, I'm sorry. Superman all-star, uh, wasn't my favorite. I, I put a lot of uh, stock in that one, and that was not good. But aside from that, though, all the other ones have been fantastic before and after. And we now have uh, Red Sun Superman came out this week. Uh, so the premise, and I don't want to spoil it, but if you follow me on uh, Instagram or the social meds, um, you'll see a couple scenes I posted. They're not really spoilers. They're just kind of like, oh, this was an awesome climax moment. But uh, Superman Red Sun. So it basically takes place in the 1940s, starts there. And you got Superman who lands in Soviet Russia. 
as opposed to Kansas America. And uh, Superman grows up, you know, Soviet ideals, all this. Everything gets like, you know, tossed sideways when he finds out, oh, dang, you know, it turns out like the government's been lying to me the whole time. You know, I here I thought that people were free and they're not. And all of a sudden, um, you know, we have Batman. Well, okay, I'm jumping ahead. Um, we have Superman who is uh, disillusioned by his government. So it goes into a huge thing of chaos. It's, it's really good. I highly recommend everyone watch this movie because the DC animated universe is extremely good. I mean, if you saw Young Justice even, dude, that series is amazing. It got a revival because it originally got canceled. And here's why it got canceled. It got canceled because they couldn't push the toys. And that's what Cartoon Network and WB wanted was the toys to be pushed forward. Those are the, you know, big daddy companies. But then you had the guys who run, ran the show and they were like, oh, no, you know, th- this show is amazing. Like we're writing it. It's good. We have a story to tell. And they eventually told it. And it did not pick up traction. And then the fans, including me, uh, we we all took to social media. We we took to whatever we could to make our voices heard, and we said, "Hey, you, you have something here. It's it's not a mindless like you know flavor of the week uh, villain attacking. It's a story you're telling, and it's a long drawn out one." And it paid off because we ended up getting the Young Justice uh, series revitalized on the DC Universe Network. Now, the DC Universe Network at this time is kind of iffy. I mean, you know, uh, Swamp Thing got canceled before the first season even ended, and that was amazing. I mean, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil too much. I'm just going to say this right now. There is somebody, well, rather two people that are in that story, if you know your comics really well, the fact that we got to see them at their full capacity before the season ended, that is amazing. I mean, I didn't think that was going to happen, and it did, and it blew me away. Like, I popped so hard um, for that, and I really hope we get another season out of it. So, um, anyways, like I was saying, um, you know, DC's kind of floundering at the moment with their streaming network. I mean, it's it's good. It's not bad. Uh, Harley Quinn is amazing. Like I I went into that series with low expectations, and I just like the first episode blew me away. After that, I was like, I gotta see the next one. I gotta see the next one. It went on and on, and it is so good. I mean, you you don't. They don't really make cartoons of that caliber anymore. And, you know, people will say, well, Rick and Morty. But Rick and Morty, I mean, you know, Dan Harmon and uh, – um, oh, God, I'm already forgetting the other guy's name. Anyways, uh, the people who make that, they, you know, push the boundaries on purpose. Kind of like Family Guy. I fell out of love with Family Guy. But with Rick and Morty, it they, they also do it in a way that's like smart. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well – you know, we're, we're going to push the boundaries, but we know we're doing it and we're going to kind of like point it out. You know, it's self-aware. That's something that 
I think a lot of cartoons today miss. Um, but we, we, we have other cartoons too. Like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but Amphibia, um, Star versus the Forces of Evil, um, I'm already blanking, The Owl House, uh, Infinity Train, uh, I mean, the list goes on, Apple and Onion, Gumball, I mean, Amazing World of Gumball, sorry, but a lot of this stuff is, is so highbrow, but it's made for kids, but like me and my wife watch it and we'll catch these jokes like that goes over our children's heads, but we'll catch them. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe they made that joke, but our kids don't notice it. It, it, you know, cartoons today are made by people like us who know what humor is and they just, you know, push it forward. Any hues, I digress, but the point of the matter is this. That the DC animated universe is way better than the actual DC cinematic universe. Because with the anim- uh, here's what I'm getting. With the animated, they, they actually stick to the source. They, they, they look at the story and they're like, okay, well, we're going to change up a few things. I mean, I didn't see the killing joke because a ton of people told me it was like diverged from the actual core of the story. And, um, so I was, I was already upset hearing that, but a lot of people are like, yeah, it's not worth your time. Aside from the killing joke, all the other anime movies I've seen have been amazing. They've been great and they stick to the source. And in all honesty, that's all I want from my comic book adaptations, film, animation, whatever. I just want you to stick to the source. And just, you know, you want to change a few things here and there, that's fine. But, I mean, I don't care if you whitewash, blackwash, brownwash, redwash, yellowwash, anybody. But just don't change the core of the story. You know, the core of the story is this happens, this happens, this happens. You got your beginning, middle, and end. And don't change that. Because I, you want to change things before that, between, good, go ahead. Have a way with it. But, you know, having stories being told to you. Like, I grew up on comics. I, I read nothing but comics that influenced my art. It influenced my storytelling. It did everything to me. I grew up on it. But when, when you change the core of what's there, it, it kind of kills it for me and others who grew up with it the same way. You know, um, you have a lot of people who want to do like, you know, things like, oh, well, I want to change this because it'd be more interesting. But it's like, no, dude, if you change that, it's it's really just going to kill the story in a way that you didn't think it would. So anyways, I, I once again, I digress again, but I'm just saying that don't change the core of the story. Let the whatever you're trying to tell, let it go out, flesh it out. If you want to flesh it out with some minor details, like you know, changing uh, ethnicities, changing religions, whatever, that's fine. But don't change the core of the story because the core of the story is what drives it home for me, and that's what makes me hate or love something. Uh, DC's been really good about it. Uh, Marvel, eh, not so much. But uh, that's a whole different story. Um, anyways, so. 
uh, I that's my that's my rant about uh, you know uh, adaptations of comic book styles. Uh, other things I want to talk about is wrestling, pro wrestling. Oh my God, guys! Did you did you watch WrestleMania this past WrestleMania? I mean, was the Boneyard and the uh, House? Uh, no, I'm sorry, that House of Horrors. That was the first one with Bray Wyatt. It was the uh, House. Uh, dang, I'm already blanking. I can't believe this. Um, it was the Fiends. Oh my god, I can't remember. Anyways, okay, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So, the cinematic wrestling, right? Was that not amazing? I mean, come on, dude. Like Undertaker, okay, we saw him at Saudi Arabia in the last match. It, he, oh god, bless him for going into that ring. Taker, Mark Calloway, he cannot do it anymore. He can't. I I wish he could. I really wish Mark Calloway could could put on a performance, but he can't. It and it happens. I mean, you know, a lot of people out there and they like to say rest, pro wrestling, which you see on the TV, is fake. Is it fake? No. It's predetermined. They already know who's going in, what they're gonna do, who's gonna win, and when they're gonna kick out, who's gonna take a finisher, whatnot. They know all that. They go in there knowing that. Is it fake? No, no, it's not fake. What it is, is they're actually taking those shots. And I just listened to a podcast earlier from uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin with Mick Foley. And Mick Foley, if you don't know who he is, he was Mankind, Dude Love, Cactus Jack, basically the most legendary hardcore wrestler you ever saw. And he talked about how, you know, he wishes now, in retrospect, that he would have put his hands up to take a chair shot because the hand between his head and the chair would have lessened the blow and the concussions that he suffered. And he got his career cut short because of it. Like, you know, Mankind wrestled back in, I think the last time he wrestled was 2004 maybe. But, um, you know, he he was already due in like at 2000. You know, he took him way too many bumps. He he did too much dangerous stuff. But, you know, people say that, oh, the chair shot. Oh, that chair is fake. No, it's not fake. I mean, it's not. It's it's metal. Metal against bone on your back, your vertebrae. I mean, I'm I'm no doctor. and But I know most of you out there probably watch enough Grey's Anatomy, if not any other ER or whatever show, to know that the spinal column is a very fragile thing, is very fragile, and they will take these chair shots, and it it rocks them. And you know they don't realize it, but they put their bodies out there on the line. And if you look at today's wrestling, it's a lot safer. You don't really see a lot of chair shots, and even if they do take chair shots, they know how to how to lessen the um, permanent damage. So, so to speak, they know to tuck in and just like, okay, right there, boom, there, you know, and when, when you're a pro wrestler, you are putting your life in the hands of the opponent because you're sitting there and you're like, okay, look, I know what I'm going to do. I know what you're going to do, but I have to trust that you're going to put me safely, you know, as safe as possible. You're going to throw me through this table or you're going to throw me over the ropes or you're going to slam me on the mat. You know, um, one wrestler, 
a career for uh god what was the, the the draws draws yeah draws that was his name i watched a dark side of the mat uh, uh youtube episode and you know uh, dilo brown delivered a power bomb to him and ended his career not only that he had to be confined to a wheelchair and had to use like that like you know pressure tube thing to control it uh with his mouth and even draws and like Dilo Brown was just like sobbing through the whole thing. He was like, dude, I've done this so many times and I don't know what went wrong, but I'm the person who was in control and I feel so sorry for what happened. And then draws was like, yeah, he has no ill will towards Dilo Brown. Um, he's like, dude, I've taken a power bomb from Dilo Brown before he knows how to do it. Just for whatever reason, my body did not react the way it was supposed to. And now I'm in this situation, you know? So, I mean, is wrestling fake? No. Is it predetermined? Yes. We, they know when they walk in, who's going to win. Uh, there's sometimes a shoot, but shoots are rare. I mean, honestly, that's more of like a personal thing, but you know, pro wrestling is not fake. It, 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 the people out there are putting their lives on the line. They're putting their lives in the hands of another person. And they're saying, hey, look, you're going to do this to me. I know that. But, you know, I'm going to walk away from this, right? And there's so many things that can go wrong. And sometimes they do. But anyways, so cinematic wrestling, like I said, with uh, The Undertaker, that was amazing. Because The Undertaker, I mean, I love him to death. I, I, in fact, he was one of the reasons I tuned into pro wrestling back in my teenage years. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but I'm going to say that with with cinematic wrestling, what I love about it is you can suspend disbelief. You can throw out all that crazy bat noise, whatever. You can throw all that out there and it will just hit because it's like, dude, let's just let's just put the pedal to the metal. Let's just get, you know, make everything happen that we can happen. AEW did it in a way with Matt Hardy when like Matt Hardy did like this weird like teleport thing and you clearly knew it I mean you you're watching it and you can see like you know Chris Jericho's hair like swaying and his body swaying but you see like the physical change like with the camera shots and then he gets there and my favorite thing about that was that like Matt Hardy shows up and he's got like his arms spread out like oh and uh, Chris Jericho was like, hey, how'd you do that teleport thing? <laughs> like, how'd you get down here so fast? I mean, we know the truth. The truth is it's, you know, camera magic. But um, it, it was still good that they put their stock in that, you know? And when you have cinematic wrestling, that's what you got to do. I mean, I know it. Everyone watching it knows it. It's going to be fake. It's going to be, you know, recorded, refined, edited. If you're going to do all that... Just go balls to the wall crazy. Let's see, like, Undertaker teleporting behind somebody. Let's see Undertaker, like, you know, summoning fire and lightning and all that. Let's see all that craziness. Let's see druids in, like, hoods come out of nowhere and just start beating up on the Undertaker. Let's see that. Let's see 
John Cena. Like, we don't know. Was it in his mind? Was it real? Did he get teleported to the um, uh, Firefly Funhouse? There you go. I remembered what it was. Okay. Firefly Funhouse match. Um, he, he get teleported to the set. He wakes up and then, like, you know, Rambling Rabbit tells him, dude, go through that door. And he relives all of his, like wrestling moments where he debuted where he came up he had the thug, doctor of thugonomics i mean it just went on and it was just like the coolest thing where they did weird like a flashback where they were in like a saturday night live no not saturday night live sorry uh saturday night uh, main event yeah saturday night main event and you know he was oh, i didn't remember his name it's like like muscle bigums or something like that it was it was a uh, uh, strong man. I don't remember, but he had like that weird name, and he just couldn't stop lifting, right? And then Bray Wyatt's like, "Oh, hey, you know, you snapped out of it." But then John Cena can't do anything because his arms are tired from lifting, and that's that's crazy. Because you know, like I said, let's suspend disbelief. And we, when in the wrestling world, we call that kayfabe. But let's suspend disbelief and let's let's get invested in this this weird story that's happening. And we see it and it's it's awesome. Because when you suspend the disbelief, when when you're like, okay, you know what? I want to see what happens. I want to see this story unfold. And they give it to you in spades. In spades. And you're all of a sudden like left there like, what did I just see? Like you have to watch it again to try and process it. That's what I did. I had to I had to watch it three times to process it. And you know, you it's it's amazing. It's so good. You know, so that's I I think that's the one I want to touch about with wrestling right now. I mean, we got other stuff going on, you know, the mass release of uh talent. I'm gonna say oh, so I'm calling it right now. Um, I already know that I think Carl Anderson already said he's going back to New Japan, but I'm pretty sure Luke Gallows is going to because they both of them were still tight with Tamatanga, who is currently like the pseudo leader of Bullet Club. So the, I, I have no doubt they're going there. Um, pretty sure Zack Ryder and Heath Slater are going to no, sorry, Kurt Hawkins. Um, pretty sure they're going to go AEW. Here's why. They're good in outside the ring. They're personal friends of Cody. And Cody is very adamant about getting talent. I mean, honestly, I mean, look at AEW. Look at the talent they have. And they don't waste it. I mean, they they put it forward. They have everyone shine. I mean, hell, dude, Cody, uh, Kenny, uh, the Young Bucks, uh, Hangman and Page. I mean, look at all of them. If you watch their matches, they put people over them. They will push, and it's not them. And that's crazy because, you know, in WWE, you would expect, oh, well, you know, they're the top guys. They're going to win. You know, like we see with Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, or whatever, which we don't know Roman Reigns' future with WWE, but that's another story altogether. But anyways, so the point is that um, I'm, I'm calling it now uh, – Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder are going AEW simply because they know Cody and Cody loves them. So they're going there. Rusev. Now, Rusev, I think he could shine anywhere. And I could just see him being like that weird, like, uh, 
quasi contracted like through multiple promotions um so i think he's going to go everywhere uh aside from that you know we got luke gallows carl anderson pretty sure new japan back in bullet club i mean hell carl anderson is the reason bullet club exists because of his team up with uh prince david aka um oh my why am i forgetting his name finn balor there you go finn balor so Finn Balor, Prince DeVitt, uh, with Carl Anderson, the machine gun, they're definitely going to Bullet Club. Um, as for everyone else, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of up in the air. I mean, uh, Drake Maverick, God, I can see him and Marco Stunt pulling off a great match. Um, you know, him being AEW would be awesome. I think think he will probably do the same thing as Rusev, which is kind of like go everywhere, which wouldn't be bad. Um, you know, the, the, there's just so much talent that the, they let go. And the, they say they do it for business reasons. But here's the truth. The truth is they soaked up these people to prevent them from being used against them in other promotions. And that is honestly the ugly truth. I mean, you know, you can say here and there, oh, it was a business decision, you know, we we let him go because of what's happening right now, the quarantine and everything. But the truth is, these these are talented people. Everyone they let go. If you look at their matches outside of WWE, you will see that they have talent. They have everything to thrive in the pro wrestling industry. And WWE gets them. And all of a sudden, it's they do nothing. They just flounder. They're out there doing whatever it, they're told to do. And the truth is that WWE takes that talent because they don't want it used against them. This is another reason why, if you notice, I mean, AEW has said they're not actively trying to take away talent from WWE. They are looking for specific people. And AEW just, you know, they're... They're picking up the talent. I mean, it just so happens the talent that are mentioning are being released. It's like, okay, well, you release the person. This is the person we want. Let's bring them in. Um, Matt Hardy, uh, you know, John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose. You, you have so much that can happen. And, you know, WWE just let them all go. It's a bad thing, yes. It sucks they're out of work, but I'm pretty sure all of them got money saved up because, you know, they probably knew where they stood in the industry, especially within that company, and they probably put money aside and say, hey, just in case of rainy day, here's what happens. So, you know, pro wrestling, it's a it's a huge, huge thing. Um, I just really wish, because Kenny Omega... And Xavier Woods both talk about this. Austin Creed, Austin Watson, you know, I'm dropping his real name. But uh, they talk about how they want to bring the wrestling world together. They're like, you know what? Let's just stop the whole territory thing. Stop all this. Let's just bring wrestling. Let's get people in a ring and put on good matches. Let's just have people go crazy. Let's make everyone pop off, you know. And I I honestly hope one day in my lifetime that can happen. It probably isn't because Vince is still alive, much like Queen Elizabeth. He just ain't going to die. But I think, I think once Vince's time is over, I think they will expand their vision 
with WWE and they will say, hey, look, you know, there's more in this world out there and there's more money to be made if we just combine forces. And I seriously hope that happens because that that would be good. But anyway, so I covered pro wrestling video game. Oh, hey, video games. So uh, there's a bunch of games I downloaded with this Trump check. I'm kidding. I know it's a stimulus. I know it comes from taxes, but um, I'm just calling it the Trump check because everyone is. And literally, he wanted his name on the checks. So, you know, Trump check. Anyways, so I, I, I downloaded a bunch of games. And uh, one of the games I downloaded was this weird, like, pixel edit of Punch-Out!, but it was like done with movie monsters. And so like the guy who plays like Little Mac is like the heckler of like the in like a movie theater. And then so like you hit the start button and then like you see this fist like punch him, right? In like the front row seat. And then he has to fight all the movie monsters. It is hilarious and it is awesome. Um that game took me by surprise. Um I also have been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. So my exposure to Animal Crossing was the mobile game. That was the first one I ever played. I thought Animal Crossing was dumb before that. I played the mobile game, loved it. And it but, but then at a certain point, it felt like, you know, this is a job. Me logging in every day, getting my bonuses, whatever. It felt like a job. And then New Horizons came out, and my children were begging me to get it. They're like, oh, we got to get Animal Crossing New Horizons because we keep seeing the commercials on uh, Disney Channel and Disney XD, whatever. And I'm like, okay, fine. So one day I finally, because everyone I knew on social media was like, had the game and were posting about it. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to buy it. I bought it, played it, haven't stopped playing it. <laughs> um, the game is a lot more fun than a mobile because there's so much more to do. There's so much more you can achieve in that game. And... I love it. It's 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 fun. Uh, just today, actually, I finally like scolded out my living room. Uh, so I designed and oh my god, I wasted so much time on that. The uh, design uh, app for the Nook phone, whatever. Oh, I have wasted so much time on that because I've made so many things. So if you, I I know I said this earlier, I was an artist, but uh, I graduated with a fine arts degree. I I basically have done art. My entire life, like as long as I can remember, uh, I, I got sent to the uh, sent, sorry, scented, but sent to the uh, gifted and talented arts program when I was in kindergarten, and I've just I've just done art ever since then. You know, I just I've always done it. It's all I've ever known. It's my relaxation. It's my it's my outlet for you know a lot of things, and you know creativity is just something that comes naturally to me. And lately, I'm not going to lie, I, I have not expressed my creativity enough. I, I feel like I really should apply that, uh, especially during this time, you know, with the quarantine. But uh, the point is that that design app, uh, I have made so many things. And uh, some things I love, some things I hate, but I keep them because I'm like, you know what, I put the time and effort in them, I'm going to keep them. And so uh, with the time and effort that I put into all these designs, I keep them. But... I, I go around in my common writer. So I know a lot of you don't know about Japanese Sentai. Uh, when you hear Sentai, it's not hentai. If you know what hentai is. 
but Sentai is uh, the original name for the Power Rangers. It was Super Sentai. And that was the Power Rangers. And, the, you know, the Power Rangers we know now, which what I grew up with, which made me fall in love with the whole Japanese hero thing, uh, was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, Super Sentai was a long line of that. And they eventually got to, like, I think it was like the, I don't remember what incarnation, maybe the fifth incarnation of it. And that was what became the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And it was it, it was awesome. I mean, from there, it just flourished. I loved, you know, uh, uh, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. If you remember that, in Japan, it was Gridman, which there's a new anime about that. And I'm kind of hesitant on the anime. I'm like, I'm watching it, but I don't know. It didn't, didn't feel like Gridman. Anyways, uh, then there was a second series that got adapted by the same person who took on um, – uh, Power Rangers, which was Common Rider, or here it was Masked Rider. So come to find out, we're like on the, I don't know, like 10th incarnation of Common Rider, Common Rider Black. And then, of course, the one we get automatically is like the second continuation of that, which is like Common Rider Black RX. And um, so, I mean, there, there's so many before that Amazon, Camel Common Rider 1, 2, V3. Uh, you know, there, there's a ton before that, but Common Rider was like this insect based hero and it was really cool. I fell in love with it. I loved, I mean, okay. So we had the, um, American version, which had, uh, Dex who came from an alien world crossed over with the Power Rangers as Black RX and then, um, Moved into a foster family, which was like the most culturally diverse foster family ever. You had like the ginger older sister. You had the black uh, younger son. You had the white overweight dad. And you had the Asian wife. And then you throw in this guy who is I, – I, I don't know if he was Hispanic. He might have been. I mean that might have checked the box right there. But anyways, you had that and then – you know, they, they had these like weird like bullies who who were trying to discover the secret of what's really going on in that house. And um it was it was crazy. And then of course, you know, you had Furbis, who looked like a giant Furby. I am not kidding you. Look it up. Furbis. It sounds exactly how I'm saying it. F-U-R-B-U-S. I, I'm not even going to fact check that because I'm pretty sure Google will point you in the right direction. You look at that and you don't tell me that's not trying to cash in on the Furby vibe. Um, anyways, so y- you got that. And then you, it, it lasted maybe two seasons, I think. But um, you, you got Common Rider or Mass Rider, sorry, here in the States. And that was my first exposure to him. And then later we get something called the Internet. And we get like the high speed internet, and then I start looking up all this stuff. I'm like, oh man, you know, we had Ultraman. You know, I I never saw Ultraman before this, and so I started watching Ultraman. I'm like, oh dude, this is cool. I even ordered like this weird like knockoff Ultraman alarm clock. Um, It cost me like I think at the time like eight dollars with shipping, and that was overseas. This is back in like God, like the early two thousands. And, um, you know, I start seeing Ultraman everywhere. Like, uh, dude, where's my car? They have like a portrait of Ultraman, like 
hanging on the wall. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They got Ultraman. And then, you know, I started looking at other things like the current Power Rangers that they had. Um, and then we move on to like Common Rider. And I'm like, oh, dude, Common Rider, this guy's cool. And I start finding out, oh, dang, there's like all these different incarnations of it. There's even an incarnation where it's like a giant battle tournament where like all of them are fighting against each other to find out who's the strongest. And that was cool. But uh, I'm a, anyway, so Japanese Sentai, um, and that's another passion I have. It, it's, it's really good. They tell a story and they kind of end it. But what's really cool is then sometimes you get like these weird like tangent stories uh, where like Kamen Rider Decade, like he has to go and relive or correct things that happen like in other Kamen Rider storylines. So like he morphs into them. And he does whatever he has to do. You know, I mean, it's different depending on the scenario, but it's really, really cool because he's got like a barcode face. It's like, it's like, you know, you, you, you look at him and he's like a barcode across his face and he scans and whatever. It's man. It's awesome. I love it. Oh man. I've been talking for 37 minutes now. This is crazy. I did. I, I thought my voice get dry by now. Hold on. Let me take another sip of this bubbly. Mm. Damn. That's good. Okay. So, um, anyways, I think I'm going to wrap this up. I think you guys are <laughs> done listening to me for today. Uh, if you actually, uh, decide you want to subscribe to this, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a bit inebriated, but it's okay. We're all there. It's quarantine. It is crazy times. But I, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. I want I want to talk about you know, uh, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Raphael's the best one. If you disagree, tell me. But Raphael is the best turtle in the whole group. And um, you know, I lo- I love movies. I love all of it. Uh, favorite TV series of all time is the Munsters. Life lessons are there, and they do it before it became popular. So, fight me on that one. Um, I love metal music. Uh, you know, Blind Guardians, one of my favorite bands. Hammerfall. I actually got to meet those guys and sing with those uh, the songs that they played. I had the like the microphone from the lead singer, like you know, uh, put. Putting it in my mouth, well, that was sounded weird. Uh, okay, putting it next to my mouth, that sounds better. That sounds less gay. But no, seriously, um, I was singing the songs. He saw me in the crowd. He just put the mic to my mouth and just like you know, I was sitting there singing the choruses of a lot of things. It was awesome, and uh, you know, I'm a gigantic fan of them. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, you know, I think, I think next time we maybe need to focus more on, um, I don't know, comics, possibly TV shows going on right now. Um, uh, movies, movies are good. Uh, yeah, I want to say, you know, here, here's the treat and I want to end on this, uh, uncut gems. If you have not seen that, I recommend you watch it. I am not into like weird, like crime movies. This movie, like I've never seen The Godfather in my life. I've never seen Godfather 1 or 2, whatever. I've never seen them. Uh, I have no desire to see them. But Uncut Gems, it, 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 took me, it took me for a weird trip and I loved it. And it was good. The soundtrack was awesome. 
I'm huge into new retro wave. New retro wave is like this. If you guys don't know what that is, if you watch an 80s horror movie or action movie, whatever movie, anything from the 80s, really, that's the music you're going to listen to. And that's the music you're going to find with new retro wave. Um, so I recommend that in the meantime. Anyway, so I'm signing off now at 40 minutes. I love you all. Thank you so much for taking time to listen. Good night.